0: Hello, hoops and cards friends, Gary here with the latest episode. I am pumped to talk with a a new friend who has been an influencer, an NBA lover, a basketball card collector, investor, flipper, to hear his story, talking about Chris from Card Ladder. So you're going to love this episode. It's a great chance. Pretend you're in the room with us just talking about a couple of guys, especially Chris's journey. Uh, as he has grown and returned to not just a hobby a passion and an opportunity and not just about money and, and investing oh there's such a great opportunity for community connection growth and even expanding this the skill base and the, the the breadth of sports cards basketball cards and and around the world how this has grown so excited to have chris glad you guys are with us for another episode of hoops and cards uh, hey everybody uh gary here with hoops and cards and uh so excited to welcome our featured guest for tonight chris from our well house of jordan's card ladder sports cards Culture. The crossover, Chris, it's awesome to have you with us as we're, you know, we're just a brand new baby podcast. So thanks for helping
1: us out, man. Gary, thanks for having me, enjoying the episodes you've put out so far. Keep up the good work, man. Thanks. Thanks so much. I I do love it. And I love uh,
0: the chance to learn from or hear about uh, people further down the line. Like Chris, I'd love to hear your story in whether it comes to falling in love with basketball or basketball cards or then like growing that as a business and a platform. So I'm, I'm just going to throw like as much of your story as you want to tell to kick this
1: off. Uh, I, I just love it. Love to hear how you got here. Like the way you put that man um, falling in love with basketball and with basketball cards. Cause the two do go together. Is that is probably similar for you as well? Is that fair? Yeah, for sure. Yep. Yes. So as a kid, basketball is my favorite sport. Akeem Olajuwon was my favorite player. I think that's partially an artifact of Jordan having retired when I was really getting to an age where I was coordinated enough to be okay at basketball. Watched the dream take down two titles. Always tried to play a post game like him. And uh, collecting cards went right with it. And cards were really, you know, evolving rapidly in the mid to late 90s, which was great. Uh, then took a break as many of us did um rediscovered my collection in 2016. Okay. Spent weeks like sorting it and discovered eBay and these marketplaces for cards existed and I don't know. The the combination of having a marketplace, um the entrepreneurial transactional element of it uh combined with just the nostalgia. Um you know, th- there's uh there's something profound about things that can bring us back to childhood and really give us escapism that lets us forget all of our adult stresses and anxieties and complicated right? worries and and people often spend their whole lives chasing that passion or that thing that can take them back to a simpler time many of we're very fortunate to have sports cards and sports that can do that for us
0: i mean especially the past year i think about the growth of the sports card hobby investing during a pandemic year, like that's that's crazy enough financially, but I think you're onto something with what this has helped us feel over the last year. Like, like I can feel productive, I can feel connected. I can't watch games because the NBA shut down for a while, but I can still follow and I can look at my LeBron PC. You know, but you're I was curious what brought you back in 2016 where you're like, I rediscovered my
1: collection. Yeah. Yeah, no, um, I was a non-traditional student. So I graduated uh, from my undergraduate uh, with my undergraduate degree in 2016. But at that time, I was uh, 29, about to turn 30. So um, after I graduated, I uh, came back home and and spent some time at home and um, was going through my old closet and found my old collection. And uh, this was right at the same time that that epic NBA finals, you know, you mentioned LeBron. The 2016 NBA Finals. This was this was right after I graduated. This was in June, and the NBA Finals were going on, and uh, I just went through my thousands of cards as a kid uh, while that NBA Finals was going, and discovered eBay and discovered you know the whole marketplace of cards, and wow. <laughs> I just got hooked. And uh, literally, you know, I get more and more in, into it every day. To be even still, you know.
0: Yeah, it's the gift that keeps on giving. I mean, like right now, you could talk about the 2016 finals all day for all I care. That was a massive <laughs> that was like unforgettable as a Cavs fan. And with two yeah. of my kids in downtown Cleveland, we were just running around, literally high-fiving everybody else in the city, uh, yeah. random hugs from people I don't know. This is like way before COVID, but it was it was such an insane. But but you're so right. And like you got back into it, um, or or you know, felt reconnected or interested in like at what point did you Say, all right, I'm going in in a deeper way, whether that's as a as a money making, you know, more an investment or or a business that it's it's OK to love it and make money from it. Right.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And,
0: yeah. And then also the content creating. How, how did you take those next step?
1: Yeah. No, uh, really interesting question. I, I also want to add that um, when okay. so I went to college on the East Coast. And so when I was coming back after graduation, I I drove through Cleveland, uh-huh. stayed in Cleveland, visited the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, yes. and I vividly remember seeing signs in office buildings and stuff like that, like rooting on the Cavs. Uh-huh. Uh, it was it was crazy to be in Cleveland in that around that time. Uh, it was it was cool. But uh, so the way that that played out was um, first step was. Well, I'd say there's, there's three parts to that story. The mm-hmm. first one is making the plunge to like start buying cards that, you know, are, are serious financial decisions. Um, you know, so when I first came back, the cards, I bought, uh, Michael Jordan scoring Kings on eBay for like 125 or 150 bucks. And that really got the adrenaline going <laughs> within in that auction. And that, that was a, that was a big amount to spend. Uh, by the time um you know 2017 2018 spring of 2018 i made my first big plunge i bought a jordan noise boys Psa 10 for about three grand on ebay that was the most i'd ever spent on a card by far and um you know th- it that was a big step then that i took a rental
0: too. yeah
1: yeah because I, I, I wanted an auction Winning auctions is is something else uh-huh. and so then uh but then i took another big leap in the fall of 2018 I built up a nice collection of Jordans that was you know worth maybe 30 or 40 grand and I just sold half of it and I bought uh Jordan PMG red um and and I I paid a record high for the card at that time uh and it was crazy story I met a guy at a car dealership like two hours away he took my cash and went right away and bought a car and I, I came home with a card. So uh, it's, that was a big plunge, too. Um, you know, each time you kind of yeah. re- reach, yeah. reach a new level of spending, um, it, it, it you know, it, it changes you a little bit, change your perspective. Uh, a, a shortly after that, in the winter of 2018, was when we started making content. That's when we rolled out the House of Jordans podcast. Um, because the addiction to cars just snowballs and snowballs. And eventually it's not enough to just go on Facebook and look at the groups, go on Instagram, check your eBay safe searches. It's just not enough. You know, you want content. You want, a lot of people in the Jordan community wanted content. They wanted to hear discussion and and analysis and stories and the whole nine. So we started making the podcast and then that was a lot of fun that went on, you know, throughout 2019, that, that, that satiated the appetite. Uh, And then you'll come into 2020 and uh, the pandemic hits, and, um, you know, uh, by that time, I had been doing a lot of more analytical style content, um, whether it was posting it to Instagram, or for the purpose of the podcast, I really like looking at numbers, I like, you know, analyzing how cards have gone up or down, and, and just talking in those terms, I really like to look at the market, and and then I, you know, it, I, I felt that the hobby needed a tool to be able to do that uh, and I needed a tool to be able to do that without having to spend 10 hours you know manually putting together these excel spreadsheets which is what huh. I was doing
0: been there yeah
1: so the idea yeah so yeah. we had been kicking this idea around for a while myself and josh at cardboard chronicles and then when the uh, so I should I should say that from 2017 to 2020 I was a lot I was in law school and so when the pandemic hit, all my classes went to pass fail and, you know, all of a sudden the, the workload got a lot lighter during my final semester and the future looked really uncertain. Um, you know, when there was a financial crisis in the late, uh, you know, 28, 2009, 2010, that there was a big uncertainty there. I had extra time and had an idea, had a great partner to work with, um, Josh and uh who's very talented and and forces and decided to to, to try this thing out um which i'm talking about card ladder now at this point and uh, we love this software and
0: um so chris obviously your love for for basketball your love for cards and getting back into it and seeing a world of of potential also noticing hey uh this hobby whether it's a hobby or an investment or just for fun it needs more resources like how can we how can we track the market and not spend 10 hours in front of like eBay with our head about to explode? Like you noticed there was a need for resources and there was a need for community and you stepped up. First of all, thank you. But like, how did you know, how did you know that it was time to step up and then boy, to see it grow like this, you know, what has that done for you?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well said, man. Um, You know, the hobby has been evolving rapidly lately And there has been a big need to organize a lot of information that's scattered in a lot of different places right now. And there's been a need to make it more, you know, 2021, 2020 level technologically so that, you know, we're not doing what I was doing and many others were doing, which is making Excel spreadsheets and tracking sales manually by hand and spending all of our weekend free time doing that. And it is fun. I'm, I'm not saying it's not fun. It is fun, but. It needed to be made more efficient for people who, you know, would like to have that service. So um, and then you know so, so that's like the card ladder side of the equation is giving people access to information, resources, um, etc. And the and app, then the other, you the guy, app by the way. the, app, the U- have an app yes. Yeah, no, we do have an app. Um, having a, having a great developer like Josh who and, and the team that he leads is pretty important. <laughs> and yeah. they were able to build an app, get it approved, roll it out, all without a hiccup. Mm-hmm. Um pretty impressive. Pretty dang impressive. So that that happened. And then the other side of the coin is content. And and content is is, is uh is all about having fun as I'm as as I know that you, you see it that way. That's the way I see it too. Content is just a different way to express and enjoy the hobby. And as the hobby gets more and more expensive, we need more and more cost-effective ways to enjoy the hobby. So, uh, yeah. content is definitely one of the ways to do that.
0: Yeah, I mean, everybody is is uh, Instagram living their breaks or their their quick sales or their scores at a at a show. Like it is a blast seeing all the content that's out there, and yet to to focus it in ways that encourage people because you know whether whether you're just starting out you know it is not too late to have a blast doing this to make money on the side right whether whether you're just starting out on a small budget or you're just starting out one of the things that got me back into it is my kids playing sports and so they know who all of the a lot of the young stars are I'm being from Akron of course we knew LeBron and anybody that hangs with LeBron but uh, but at, at some point people make a decision or they wind up adding, uh investor to collector, or investor to fan. And I would be curious to, to hear from you, you know, based on not only your experience, but where you sit in the hobby, where do you see as some opportunities, maybe entry level investing, what even what you're hoping to provide through card ladder and, and otherwise, but like, for people just starting out, whether they're 12 or 47 coming back into this thing, because it can be intimidating. Like when you when you see you know, Luca's one of one logo man sells for 4.6 million. Like there's no way, or even just, even just the, the ones that are available on uh, collectible and you, you know, you pitch in and buy shares of a card. That's like a million dollar card. It doesn't seem like the everyman,
1: right. has an entry place. Oh no, no. It's a it's great point. Um, well, uh, when you, when, when we start talking about investing, um, one of the things that investors look for, whether it's you know uh, a venture capitalist acquiring or investing in a startup, or it's uh, an investment bank uh, assessing the risk profile of a potential uh, recipient of a loan, or it's somebody looking at real estate purchases, or it's somebody investing in stocks for fun, or it's a 401k. Or it's sports cards, no matter what it is, the the gold standard for decision making is credible data. People need to look at and understand and process data. Um, And people who do that wisely and effectively are going to always have an edge, but they will especially have an edge in, in sports cards, partially because so many people do it emotionally and for fun and as an escape. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. People, people can and should do that. But people who take a more analytical and a more rigorous approach, and who really study data uh, and and know how to process it and use it, um, those people are going to have an edge. Um, and it doesn't matter what level we're talking about, whether we're talking uh, raw WNBA prism cards or we're talking, you know, Luca logo man four point six million dollar level you know, pricing, there's always going to be levels. Um, And, 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 you know, there's always going to be risk uh, risk reward opportunities. So there's always going to be players um, every year that, you know, and this is where the basketball and the hobby come together. You might be able to identify certain players that people aren't high on like, like Kevin Porter jr. Um, you know he looked like he was going to be out of the league uh after some of the issues that he experienced uh but he resolved his issues it looks like uh went to the g league now he's playing at houston he's rattled off two amazing stat lines right. and you know his cards and his cards have reacted and rebounded very quickly uh so and he and his cards are cheap so there there's lots of levels lots of levels to this that's what i'd say
0: and I like what you said about uh, you have to be able to analyze the data and you're, you're often dealing with, okay, there's data as far as information, what's happening in the league, right? The the Pistons and OKC just made a trade today. And does that affect the playing time for certain players on both teams, whose numbers might go up? Does it give Hamadou Diallo a chance to be a 20 point scorer next to Jeremy Grant? Like, what does it do? You have to be able to, and at the same time, sometimes what looks like a sure thing on the court and is performing well, De'Aaron Fox, can be lagging in the actual data of the market because nobody cares about Sacramento, you know, or the or like, it, I, I think being closer to the East Coast or the Midwest, we don't stay up late to watch late night games. So nobody here is as in love with CJ McCollum as I am, as far as like a 25 or 30 point scorer when he gets the chance, all that to say. Um, how do you how do you know when to trust the, the NBA data as a potential investment or potential profit? And I'm not saying please tell me the future because we, we don't know, right? Like, like I'll give you a for instance. Um, I was at the, the card show in December and I was so excited because I had just uh, leveled up, I had consolidated and sold four or five hundred dollar cards and bought, finally got my own Luca PSA 9 Prism. Rookie, you know, and this is a at the time I paid six hundred for it, and the and I told I told one of my friends there he's like yeah you shouldn't have done that they're overvalued, and I'm like shut up it's Luca Doncic he's gonna go to he's gonna be at a thousand dollars by the All Star break and you know what my man was right, I mean Luca's playing great but that card is not gone where I thought it would and and I'm still holding it's Luca, but right like the connection between
1: game and market there's a lot of different data points that matter. So it's a great question. And there's, there's lots of PSA. How fast is PSA grading these cards and how many are coming out and how fast are they hitting the market? Because a Luca Prism PSA nine, uh, if there's 5,000 copies uh, it's 600 bucks um, is a very different market cap than if it's 600 bucks at 10,000 copies. Um, so if it's, if, if a card is holding steady at a certain price as the supply increases you could argue that in a certain sense, the card's value is still increasing because there's more supply, but it's, it's holding steady. Yeah. Um, so, so these are the data points that matter too. how much supply is there? How, how much demand is there? Is the demand going up as well? So like you're, you when, when we talk about encore performance, that's the demand half of the equation as he plays better um, gets more accolades, more, acknowledge, more acknowledgement uh, you know, Demand increases, but is it commensurate with the increase that we might be seeing in supply? Uh, now, at a certain point, you know, there's just not going to be um, any more copies left to grade. Uh, we will hit a capacity of the number of PSA 10s and PSA 9s, but nobody really knows what that's going to be yet. Uh, however, I will say this on Luca because I'm a big Luca collector myself. Hmm. Um, he lost a lot of momentum this year. Uh, when his team hit a really rough patch. And they hit a rough patch uh, because four of their key rotational players, including three starters, were out for a month uh, because of COVID. And the Mavericks have missed the most uh, hours or the most, they, they've had the most players miss the most games of any team in the NBA to COVID. Over the last 14 games, they're 11 and three. They're the best team. They're playing the best basketball in the NBA right now. From a win-loss perspective, but but people who just follow national media will not know that. Uh, people like me who are obsessed, who listen to five different local Dallas podcasts after every game, <laughs> highly attuned to this, and
0: yeah. that's
1: a way you can leverage information um, is is by going to more direct, better sources, right? So um, the the market does seem to be correlated to national news cycles rather than local news cycles, but. You know, as Luka, Luca, uh, if, if if the if the team keeps playing the way they're playing, and remember, he was the MVP favorite to go into the season, and then the team, you know, obviously underperformed significantly to start the season. A lot of things could, I'm not saying they will, a lot of things could go his way going into the playoffs. So, uh, your friend might have been right about All Star break, but let's see where things are at going into the playoffs. Is what yeah. I will say.
0: Yay. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans, after all, it's only pressure. You got this, Adidas. The Luca thing reminds me, like when I purchased that, I thought, OK, yeah, if it doubles by the all star break, I'll probably sell it like I want to I want to make some money and and sell when it's high buy when it's low again. If I can't, you know, at times I'm afraid of missing out. But like I, that was an entry point that I was willing to stay there. I was I'm willing to hold that card for five years. Like I, I does it make sense? Like an entry point where I, I'm not gambling. I know it's Luka Doncic, right? It's a graded card and if i have it for a month or i have it for 2 years i i'm pretty sure i'm going to love it 100% whereas That's the way to do it man yeah yeah and you guys here's here's a question cuz you guys uh recently on sports cards called sports cards and culture you had a conversation about uh hey man doubling the price of grading starts to shut out people that were looking at that as an entry point into leveling up like hey i can buy five, $10 cards at a card show, get them all graded, get them back in. I mean, even if it's six months, I, if I'm buying Jordans or LeBron's anyway, what, what is this do going to do to the baseball card? Sorry, basketball card market in general, but also to
1: uh, people that aren't big spenders. In this? Well, it could go a lot of ways, man. I don't know. We could see a new premium placed on raw uh, as, as there's no longer grading to separate out, uh, in distinguished cards. Uh, so yeah. there could be more interest in just holding and acquiring raw cards. And there are plenty of people who only deal in raw cards and do very well, plenty of them. So the blueprint already exists for how to do that. That's one way it could go. Um, another way it could go is, you know, uh, the price of slabs goes up. Uh, so, you know, for there might be a window of time where less slabs get graded, the supply is less um, like how much how much 2020 2021 prism NBA is going to be graded this year, it's going to be less uh, because mm-hmm. because the cost of grading went up. So is there's going to be less PSA 10 copies of the especially like the more fringe rookies from from this year's NBA prism. And is that does that mean those slabs are going to get a premium because there's less supply. So maybe they do. And if those slabs get a premium, then all of a sudden that induces more people to be able to grade it because now the margin has compensated for the price increase. That could happen. Uh, or you know, or maybe things just stabilize and prices don't really move on slabs, and there's just less opportunity to grade and flip. I, any, th- any of those three scenarios could materialize and it wouldn't really surprise me. Um, but I do think that the, the grading price increase, my personal opinion, when it's all said and done and the smoke's, smoke clears, I don't think it's really deterring many people from grading at all mm. because the margins are there. Even if people are now paying $20 per card at the value service level rather than 10 the margins are still there on the vast majority of stuff that gets submitted. Are people going to submit 2019, clearly Donruss, Kawhi, Clippers, base cards anymore? No, but the margins might not have been there to begin with. Yeah. Um, but for those prison based rookies, stuff like that, I think the margins will continue to be there. They're just going to be slightly less obviously.
0: Yeah. I'm curious.
1: Um, what,
0: what would you recommend if someone says I have this great card, like I got a low end Kobe Bryant rookie yesterday that I'm like, I don't want to sell this raw and regret it in three months. I want to get it graded. Uh, but are these other options like HGA, SGC? I love acronyms, man. We're, we're like full of them here. PSA, <laughs> BGS, like are any of those worth it or something like Starstock where I've enjoyed sending some cards in. It doesn't take them like nine months to get back to me, but there's a part of me where, because, sorry, I'm rambling a little bit. Like I have so many cards right now at PSA and I'm like, I didn't do the express shipping. I did the economy, right? I did the, the, so I get it, but I still have other cards. Do I still look at grading as
1: yeah, go for it. Or what are you doing, man? Very tough question. I'm in the same boat as you. I sent in a gigantic order um, in December and then another one in January, fortunately beat the price increase. But now um, as I look at the complete through dates, I mean, when I'm, I'm probably not gonna see those orders until late this year late 2021 like that maybe that's even too optimistic so that's annoying um but every time i've graded with Psa and and backlogs are nothing new but now they're just more dramatic more pronounced than they ever have been but anytime i've graded with Psa it's never been a bad thing that the order took a long time. Because usually when I get the slabs back, I look to sell them right away. And the way the hobby has expanded over the last few years, slabs have just been going up in value. <laughs> so if I, if I had gotten those slabs back three months earlier, I would have been able to sell the cards for much less than I ultimately sold them for. So if I'm I'm not trying to put on my rose-colored glasses here, but if there is a silver lining, it's that generally speaking, the longer slabs take to come back, The more those cards are worth when they do come back. Not in all cases, but a lot of the time that is the case.
0: Yeah. That's what I'm hoping on (laughs) all mine that are coming back, of course. And a lot, I don't know how many times I've heard people say, Yeah, I've got, I've been waiting a year or I've been waiting nine months. And uh, I think you're right. In most cases, it's going to be worth the wait. Well, well, Chris, as an NBA. How many slabs? How many slabs do I have that are there?
1: Yeah uh yeah how many are you waiting to come back and like what, what type of cards are compared about? to yours dude I, I probably have 80 or 90. oh that's plenty yeah oh dude, okay. dude when that when that when, the, when that order comes back you know it's gonna be like your birthday it's great it, it, you know, it, it'll be great, <laughs> it'll be great. <laughs> yep <laughs> uh you will definitely see some new instagram
0: stories when that day comes i might just instagram live it like it's a big like break or something Sure, man. I love I love PSA and BGS sub-reveals. Love those yeah. videos. Sweet. That will be my very first one, so I'm pumped about that. Well, dude, I am, uh, like you, looking forward to the rest of the NBA season. Curious about the playoff push. Some teams that, you know, are they going to step up now that everybody's healthy or that players are returning? Um, are, are players like Donovan Mitchell going to ride this Utah success to a number one seed? You know, I'm curious, who are some of the guys you are watching? For me, it's been a couple of guys injured returning, like Karis Levert or KPJ. But I, I'm wondering who's on your mind. And uh, and yeah, let's start there, and then I got a follow-up.
1: Sure. Well, uh, Trey Young prices have dropped by about 50% since the start of the season. Yeah. And I don't think it has anything to do with him being any worse of a player. I think that team ran into some bad injury luck. DeAndre Hunter going down for a period of time. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Rondo being unreliable. Bogdanovich going down. Coaching issues. But they brought in a new coach, and now they're you know they're back to being an eight seed. So I'm watching Trey Young. Uh, I think that's a really interesting guy. The hobby loves that guy. Just yeah. all he needs is just to show a little spark of potential, and the hobby's going to be loving his stuff all over again. I am watching the Nets. Very carefully, I think there was a there was an there was a, a I think people missed um, what was happening in Brooklyn when they got Harden. Uh, b- there was a lot of you know skepticism about what that team would be able to do, but uh, I think a lot of it was overblown. Um, you know, you look at the Warriors, the the peak Warriors super duper team when it was Durant, Thompson, and Clay. Uh, th- those guys averaged 74 points per game across the three of them. And that was the most that a big three had ever averaged in a season. Uh, Durant, Harden, and Kyrie average 81 per game. Mm. Uh, so they're a big three on a whole different level offensively. Um, the, the issue there though, is going to be health. Uh, you know, Durant has been out for a long time now. <laughs> What's going on? Yeah, it's an issue. Um, obviously watching the Lakers, I going into this season, they were the favorites to repeat, but I felt actually made the wrong move by letting Dwight Howard go. And by letting JaVale McGee go and by letting Rondo go and swapping those guys out for basically Harrell, Gasol and, uh, Schroeder. Um, I, I, I think that, I think they got worse, even though most people, and maybe I'll end up being wrong, but I think most people thought they upgraded, but I don't, I don't think they did. And so I'm watching the Lakers. And I'm watching the health Anthony Davis, yeah. And uh, I'm I'm empathizing with LeBron because once more, he finds himself in a situation where, you know, he has to shoulder everything, and you know his number two star went out, and so that's that's a that's a rough spot to be in. But he's he's handling it uh, quite well. Um, definitely watching Utah, uh, Donovan Mitchell. And Jason Tatum have really made the 2017 draft class electrifying. Hmm. Uh, so those are two guys that are always going to be um, playoff contenders as long as their teams are currently constructed. Boston is disappointing a little bit this year, but like that team's got a lot of studs on it too. So yeah, that's some stuff I'm watching. And then obviously I watch every Dallas Mavericks game and I'm completely obsessed with that team, but we don't need to go there. Oh, and I think Jokic, <laughs> Jokic, uh, that MVP. guy – MVP. That guy's the MVP in my eyes. I
0: yeah. mean, after LeBron, I have to say LeBron first, cause I'm in Akron and I love him. Of course. Um, after of course. he comes back, of course. After, yeah. Leads him to the one seat anyway. But <laughs> the other thing I was, I was going to ask you about Zion, like he's ah. incredible. Right. But they are, they, it's going to become clear or, or it could become clear in a few weeks. They're not making the playoffs. Like they're, they're, they're really frustrated. They've having some te- internal struggles right now. And uh, anyway, I'm, I'm curious to see how, when it, I know they won't be mathematically eliminated till May, but when it becomes clear that they're not, do, do we see a dip in Zion or is it like, dude, he's he's 25 and 12, it's not going to matter. Does that make sense?
1: i just, I'm pausing for a second here. Is oh, gotcha. you froze. Am I frozen too?
0: You froze, I a, you froze for a second, but I can hear you clear now.
1: Good. Okay. Yeah. Right. No, I heard everything you said as well. I just, I already know I'm creating this connection is creating an editing burden on your end. I just don't want to make it any worse.
0: That's okay. Thank you. But All right. Okay.
1: All right. I have some thoughts on this then. Okay. So the Pelicans are definitely a disappointment. I think that's fair to say they just lost to the Timberwolves by 30. Um, you hate to see that, but uh, Zion this guy is off the charts, man. He yeah. passes the eye test. He has a top five or a top seven player efficiency rating in the league. I don't even think he's played more than 50 or 60 games yet. Uh, there's a lot to love about Zion, um, but there's, there's some team issues going on. They also have a brand new head coach. They're trying to work yeah. out chemistry. I just think it's a little too early to throw the towel in on that team, but there's definitely going to be some disappointment and letdown and loss of energy. I think uh, if the Pelicans don't make the playoffs, but they're, they'll have a lot of chances. Um, you know the way the playoff seeding works now. You, you got uh, seven seed plays the eight seed, and the winner gets in. Eight right. seed, uh, nine seed plays the ten seed. The winner of that game plays the loser of the seven eight seed game. And then that winner gets in. It's, it's a little tricky. They, they made it trickier um, for, for how the playing stuff works this year. So, I mean, a 10 seed is going to have a chance to get in the playoffs. So, really, if the Pelicans – I think the Pelicans are going to figure it out more and more as the year goes on. So, I don't know. I'm not counting them out yet, but – I, I agree with your take, man. It's uh it's a little underwhelming and it's hard to reconcile the team's underperformance with Zion's incredible performance so far. It's it's a it's it's frustrating, it I'd say.
0: And Brandon Ingram hasn't been bad, but I'm I'm curious too the uh this this trade deadline coming up. David Griffin from the Pelicans, like he's the guy who did this for the Cavs. I'm holding up LeBron Bobblehead <laughs> with trophy. Like he's yeah. the guy that like if they need something, it's, it looks like the Pelicans need a reliable third scorer. You know, to go along with Ingram and and uh, and Zion. Maybe they're going to do something big. I mean, I, they have a ton of assets. They've got a ton of young players they could part with. I don't. I don't know if I'm talking Bradley Beal or if it's something else where they would just you know blow us away in the next week. But but uh, dude, all that to say, I I want to like thank you for the ways that you care deeply about basketball and what's going on, and then uh, match that with resources, ideas, um, opportunities really to encourage and invite others in, you know, to, to be a part of that community, like you're doing with uh, the crossover and sports cards and culture. Maybe you could tell us just a little bit about that and how we could connect with you on a regular basis. Cause uh, we love that. We need that. This is not something that, you know, I think about the entry points, this is not a hobby that you should or can really navigate on your own. Like I've learned from so many people and I've enjoyed making so many friends doing this. So tell us, tell us how we can connect with you, Chris, and, and what you got going.
1: Well, thank you for that, man. I appreciate the opportunity to plug that as content creators, a um, lot of passion, effort, and resources go into making content. Uh, and, and not necessarily everybody sees that they just see the fruits of the labor. So as content creators, we support each other. Um, we encourage each other. We need as much good, uplifting, positive content and the hobbies we can get. Yes. Yeah, so we do the crossover, which is an Instagram live stream every Friday night. If you just follow me on Instagram, Chris underscore HOJ, or you follow uh, Josh, Cardboard underscore Chronicles or both, you'll be able to tune in. We repost that to our YouTube channel over the weekend, which is the car. It's just Card Ladder on YouTube. Friday nights, we also release new episodes of our in-studio produced show called Sports Cards Culture, kind of like an ESPN for sports cards. Uh, Definitely check those out when they drop Friday nights as well. Um, And, yeah, then we also have Card Ladder, man. And uh, Card Ladder, you know, provides a lot of different content, provides data, provides resources, provides news, provides headlines, a lot of different things. So uh, across those three alone, you know, there's, there's plenty to get lost in. Uh, Then, you know, you throw in hoops and cards, you throw in some of these other great podcasts that are, whether they've been going for years or whether they're just starting support these things. And, you know, we're going to grow, continue to grow as a community.
0: Absolutely. And dude, it is, it is fun to meet people from Rockford, Illinois. It's, it's fun to meet people from all over, not just all over the country that are talking basketball and cards. It's all over the world. And that's, that's blown me away in seven episodes, like just seven episodes, seeing the, you know what I'm saying? The people that are listening or the people that are interested in this, it uh, it's a far cry from Hartville, Ohio. So anyway.
1: Oh, I hear you. When, when you look at your metrics as, the, as new episodes come out and hopefully your, your host can show you where your listeners are located, and you're going to see people in the Philippines listening, you're going to see people in Australia listening, people in Canada people in Latin America, uh, you're going to people in Europe, you're going to see listeners from all over the place. And you're going to be like, man, I had no idea, but, but you will be pleasantly surprised, uh, the blast to just how, how far reaching this hobby is, man.
0: Yeah, Awesome. Well, Chris, thanks so much, man. It's been great to have you with us on hoops and cards. Best of luck to you with the crossover and card ladder. And again, thank you for what you're doing to expand the hobby and give us places to connect, man. Appreciate it, and go, Maverick. I hope I hope Luca finishes well, and Porzingis stays healthy, and Jalen Brunson stays on a tear. Like that dude is unstoppable at times. So I, I hope for your sake and for my Luca card's sake that we have some rebounds here.
1: Go Mavs! Well right? said.
0: So so good to meet Chris to hear about his journey. Friends, I hope, hear, I hope you hear one thing. Like, there is room for you. Whether you're starting out with five bucks or five million bucks, <laughs> there's room for you. You want to collect physical cards at, at shows or at, at sports card shops, there's room for you. You want to trade virtual cards or go on a platform where they hold the cards somewhere in a vault. There's a, You want to start a podcast? You want to start a blog? You want to break in and, and uh, connect with one of these online communities and groups? It seems like Chris has done, like, all the things and still likes it still enjoys it and still sees uh how much he's progressed and yet how it's possible for anyone still to get on board and that's crazy whether you are in ohio illinois new york city japan canada singapore like wherever you are at there is room for you so let's go hoops and cards i hope you have a great week we got another episode rolling out soon Thanks again for joining us. Check out at Hoops and Cards on Instagram. Been doing more with Instagram stories. Love to hear how you're doing and where you're at in this basketball card adventure.